This is the Advocatus Intimitati podcast with Matt Lore, episode 16. Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the Advocatus Intimitati podcast, released on Monday, the 20th of April, 2020, or for those of you keeping score at home, exactly three months after I said I would be moving this podcast to a weekly-ish release schedule. But that's okay, since there have been very few developments in the world of privacy since that time. Obviously, I jest. What was a novel coronavirus causing issues in China has blossomed into a global pandemic. As of this recording, more than 2.4 million people around the world have been confirmed to have been infected, with over 165,000 dead. The death toll would be much higher, were it not for the extraordinary measures taken to slow the spread. Nations around the world, and 46 U.S. states, have introduced curfews or stay-at-home orders. Schools and businesses have closed. The U.S. economy has, in a month, gone from record-low unemployment to jobless numbers not seen since the Great Depression. Again. The reaction for governments and companies around the world have caused many to ask, is privacy dead? Is privacy collateral damage in our war against the virus? In Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu's caretaker government rushed through an emergency measure before the newly elected Knesset could be sworn in to use a surveillance law designed for counterterrorism to get mobile device location data from telcos for people suspected of being infected. In more privacy-conscious Europe, countries have received location data in aggregate to assess movement patterns and compliance with stay-at-home orders. Even Germany gave its blessing to a voluntary smartphone app to assist with contact tracing by capturing Bluetooth data from nearby devices. Then there are all of the indirect privacy impacts. Many businesses have started to eschew cash payments in favor of cards, especially contactless ones. As stores close, more commerce moves online, where it is more easily tracked for advertising purposes. As employees are forced to work from home, companies are investing in digital surveillance tools to monitor their productivity. Use of video conferencing tools has also exploded. Zoom was riding high as a tool of choice until stories of Zoom bombing and revelations about security vulnerabilities and privacy lapses put them on the ropes. Most alarming was the report by researchers that Zoom uses its own cryptographic implementation of AES-128, an old, less secure symmetric encryption algorithm, in electronic codebook mode, which is 50 kinds of wrong. It was also storing encryption keys for calls entirely within North America on a server in Beijing. This doesn't make a lot of sense until you realize that nearly all of Zoom's R&D is done in China. This came as a surprise to many, who saw its listing on the NASDAQ and headquarters in California and believed it to be a quote-unquote American company. But hey, they even pointed out in the prospectus for their IPO last year that there was a risk that their large engineering organization in China could call into question the security of their product and their disclosure of it now looks prescient. Not only have they been hit with a number of lawsuits, but the list of bans keeps growing, with the Department of Defense joining the New York City public schools and the Taiwanese government in banning the use of Zoom. As I personally enter week five of a stay-at-home order, I think a lot about the secular shift that I believe is going to happen in the coming year, catalyzed by the COVID-19 outbreak. And when I say secular, I don't mean non-religious, but rather its original meaning, derived from the Latin seculum, meaning age, century, or generation. No one can deny that the internet has revolutionized so much of our lives over the past quarter century. The effects have been particularly acute in the retail sector. 
Amazon has grown into a behemoth, as veteran chains like Marshall Fields and Sears have floundered and died. But for all that, there are still a great many people who spend an hour or two each day in the car or on the train just to sit in front of a computer screen in an office. Now, the majority of them are working from home. Social distancing has forced the hand of companies who clung to the butts-in-seats approach to management. Now that it has become clear that normal, whatever that is, is months or even years away, I expect a great many people will never go back to the office. The telework revolution has begun, and with it come challenges for data privacy and security. As I mentioned, some companies are investing in tools that monitor keystrokes or mouse movements to ensure their employees are working. This is potentially problematic under statutes like the California Consumer Privacy Act if employees are not given adequate notice of such monitoring. Additionally, I think this can be self-defeating. People are working from home, and many parents lack for childcare during the pandemic, so now more than ever, work-life balance must yield to work-life integration. An additional wrinkle is bring your own device. Not only has the pandemic severely disrupted our way of working, it has severely disrupted global supply chains. The semiconductor trade in particular is heavily dependent on China, and it may come to pass that companies will struggle to refresh their hardware on a regular schedule as they did in the past. Employees may have no choice but to use whatever devices they have available, and IT departments will struggle to maintain security controls, especially while balancing security against privacy concerns with the regard to the level of corporate control over a personal device. Carefully crafted BYOD policies and disclosures, and mobile device management solutions that take a scalpel versus a sledgehammer approach to things like remote wipe of corporate data will be essential. On a more macroscopic level, I think in the short term we'll see a slowing or even a reversal of the trend towards urbanization of the last few decades. I speak from personal experience when I say that social distancing negates all of the advantages of living in a city. And if you no longer need to go into the office, you can really work from anywhere with a quality internet connection. I'm fortunate enough to have mostly worked from home even before this pandemic, so I've been thinking about this for a while. Well, that's about all I have to say for this episode. I wish I could tell you when to expect the next one. But I am one of those attorneys fortunate enough to have his workload grow instead of shrink as a result of COVID-19. So I can't really commit to anything. But until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay vigilant. 